the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 523 for Sunday, October 12th, 2014. And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found. And John, I'm thinking we're doing cool stuff found next week, but we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Uh, we answer your questions, we share your tips, and as I said, occasionally we do share cool stuff found. Our uh, sponsor for this episode is Gazelle at gazelle.com, where you can sell all your stuff back, all your electronics back, and actually turn them into cash or Amazon bucks. We'll talk more about that later in the show. And a new sponsor... Also for this episode, Casper at Casper.com slash MGG, an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. And wait till you hear uh, what I've learned about this company, because I love it when we get these kinds of things that uh, that seem like everyday items and then turn into total geek panaceas. So uh, uh, we will talk about them later in the show, too. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun. How you doing, John F. Braun? I'm doing all right, but my house is falling apart. It happens. It happens. It's yeah. the joys of homeownership, my friend. Yeah, there was, there was a pool of water where one should not have been. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, but you, you, that's the second water-related issue you've had in uh, almost as many weeks. Yeah, well, the other one's fixed, so uh, yeah. Right, yeah. Man. I don't know. Things just keep breaking. Well, you know, you've got, you live in Connecticut. I've been there and there's a lot of, probably a lot of limestone in the, uh, in the pipes or in the water rather. And that eats away at your pipes. And, uh, over time we, we went through a phase like that when we lived actually down in Connecticut, we had probably a two year stretch. Um, one thing that, and I know we're already off topic here, but one thing that really paid off for, for us uh, was that we had what's called a home warranty. Really, it's just a maintenance contract on your home. I think we paid about 300, 400 bucks a year for it. But, um, but it, uh, it gave us, you know, kind of a flat rate for service calls. Now, water damage wasn't, was sort of a questionable gray area, but we had a plumber that told uh, us he was for the people. And uh, so he, he usually got the insurance or got the uh, home warranty company to pay for it for the stuff. I'm not sure if they were supposed to, but that's between him and them. That's, that's the way I always left. Yeah. That's yeah, just things that were in the house when I got it right years ago and they're just starting to break down. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's just annoying that they're all happening, you know, back to back. Right. Right. You know, first yeah. I had my, you know, my, my engine exploded, had to get a new, new engine. Yeah. And, yeah but Hey, well, Hey, looks, bad things come in life. threes, right? So your engine, your, your shower, uh, uh, spigot thing. And now this water leak in your basement, the heater, the yeah. heater. Yeah. And then that should do it right. You're good to go. Hey, I've got a good thing. I want to talk about John. Uh, I, I do. I'm excited to talk about our, uh, our first sponsor here, which is, uh, Casper at casper.com slash M G G. Uh, I don't know when the last time was that you bought a new mattress, John, but you're probably due uh, for a new one as most of us are. And mattresses can be really expensive. They can cost like 1500 bucks. Um, Casper doesn't Casper costs between 500 bucks for a twin size mattress 
and 950 for a king. That's it. Uh, you know, and, and here's the thing. These aren't just, you know, your, your standard spring mattresses, uh, that are fine, but, uh, but Casper goes way beyond that. They use, uh, actually two types of foam, right? So they have memory foam, uh, that, that really gives you the support and really, I mean, it cuddles you. I've tried one of these things. Uh, it's, we've got one, you know, it's fantastic. It also uses latex foam, which is in there to keep things cool, uh, because if, if you just have memory foam, it can it can get warm, right? Um, and uncomfortably so for some, uh, depending on how the mattress is engineered. Well, Casper's is not engineered that way. It's engineered also with latex foam to uh, to keep you uh, to keep the the outer layer cool. This thing is snuggly. I mean, it really that's the thing. And uh, and here's the here's the best part. They know that switching to a memory foam mattress takes some adjustment and it totally does. You've got to give yourself, you know, for most people, it's a couple of days maybe to get used to it. But for some, it takes a couple of weeks. Uh, they've got a risk free trial and return policy. Uh, you try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days. Delivery is free and returns are painless. Um, now, delivery is, is interesting, right? I mean, this thing showed up UPS in a big box but not a box that was too big in fact it was built so that it could easily get through doorways um with with hands on on the outside of it right so totally smart these people totally geeked out about what it's going to take to get the mattress from outside your house into the bedroom that you're going to put it in and then you uh you take the mattress out of the box right and you take the box off the mattress really is what happens and it's all rolled up in um in a, in a, in kind of a, uh, uh, in a plastic bag, right. And it, uh, you, you take off the plastic bag, which is really easy. And then it's, it's still rolled up in this kind of, uh, I don't know if it's Tyvek or what, but it's, you know, it's some kind of thing to keep it like tight together, but it comes with a little welcome kit. And in the welcome kit is a letter opener. And on this, whatever Tyvek wrap it is, there's a big green dot that someone has put there. Cause when you roll up the mattress, there's naturally a spot where there's a little bit of overlap and that's where they tell you to put the, uh, the letter opener in so that you have no risk of catching the mattress as you're just, you know, zipping this thing across. And then you zip this thing across, it opens it up, the mattress unrolls and then unfolds, right? That's, that's how ours was. Um, and immediately it's good to go. It doesn't need to like poof out for, for six hours or anything. Um, a really, really comfortable, super, uh, super well-built mattress made in America, which is always nice. And, um, and like I said, you know, it, it, you want a queen size bed, it's 850 bucks for the mattress. You, you don't need a box spring. You can use it with a box spring, but because it's foam, you can put it on uh slats or heck you could put the thing on the floor. You really can. Um, so check them out. Casper.com slash MGG. That'll bring you to our special landing page that we've worked out with them. And here's the best part. I said it was eight fifty for a queen, and it is for everybody except you. You get to use the coupon code MGG and save another fifty bucks, right? So, uh, so you know, a twin is actually four fifty for you with the coupon code, and a queen is only nine hundred bucks. Uh, sorry, a queen is only eight hundred bucks. A king is only nine hundred bucks. So check it out, Casper.com/MGG. And uh, and that'll walk you through the process, but but the coupon code is MGG if uh, if you want to go through it there. So check it out, and we appreciate having Casper on board. Very much uh, 
very much looking forward to that. It's uh, it's it's handy to uh, to to have new companies and and uh, especially people that are doing things right. So check them out. Casper.com slash MGG. All right, John, let's uh, let's let Dave take it away. Shall we? Hey guys, it's Dave cook. How the heck are you? Um, I am writing with, um, uh, kind of, uh, getting you to either give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down on a strategy I have and to, uh, also ask a little bit of advice. So my wife's MacBook air 2008, um, original 11 inch, uh, running, uh, Mavericks, whatever it's at now. I don't even know, but, um, the version number, but, um, I have replaced her SSD a couple of times or the flash memory, flash, the flash drive, whatever it is. Not really a, you know what it is. It's just a strip of chips that you put in there, but I replaced it a couple of times. I ordered it originally with a 128 gig, which was tiny. Um, she does lots of photo work. Um, well, a good portion of photo work for her job. She's a teacher and she takes a lot of photos at school. Um, and, uh, so I replaced it with a 256. Um, which, uh, from OWC, which, uh, recently just actually stopped working. I think I actually, yeah, I, I wrote to you guys about that already. Um, it was still under warranty, so they took it back and replaced it, which was great. Um, and it's now back in the computer and, uh, restored with everything except for her photo library, which I have on a time machine backup. Um, the, the bulk of her library that she accesses is somewhere in the 50 gig range. So what I am planning on doing, uh, and this is the, uh, this is the thumbs up or thumbs down section. Sorry. Someone's car alarm is going off next to me. Nice. Uh, is, uh, uh, I'm going to, I ordered a 64 gig USB flash drive. One of those very small ones that, um, kind of just sticks out, um, from the computer by like uh, an eighth of an inch or a quarter of an inch. And I am planning on dumping everything, uh, her entire photo library off the time machine drive to, uh, to that, that USB drive and have iPhoto, which is what she uses linked to that library. Okay. And have it live, live in there pretty much full time. Um, I think that will work just fine. The question now is backing up that, flash drive um because i don't think it'll be included in the time machine backup is that in fact true i figured what i could do is do a periodic um carbon copy cloner uh, backup to another flash drive or another external drive or any all right we're going to cut you off there dave because I, we've got both questions in and and frankly uh the way this compressor here is mucking with that car alarm it's driving me nuts so uh let's talk about a couple of things let's go backwards with this because uh John, correct me if I'm wrong, and, and I'm, I think I'm still a little foggy from this cold I had. So, uh, but Time Machine backs up external volumes that are directly connected to your Mac. Uh, that's been my experience. Has that been yours as well? Yes, it has, and uh, okay. sometimes annoyingly so. For right. example, the <laughs> USB drive. So I do a, you know, my Mac Mini, for example, the machine I'm on right now, I do a carbon copy cloner to an external drive, and the thing is, you actually have to uh, exclude it um, because yeah, all of a sudden I, I noticed that, you know, starting to, uh, <laughs> yeah, starting to grab it. So, um, you can also have carbon copy cloner eject the drive when it's done doing well, its actually, clone. Yeah, actually, yeah, actually that's, but, that's what I, that's what I yeah, do now. Yeah. But sometimes if I reboot the machine, sure. it's, it's there. So, yep. um, 
I actually have a uh, I have a little script that runs at login that ejects my clone. I just built it with uh, I think I built it with Automator, but you know it's just a single action that says eject this drive, and I saved it as an application, and I, I have that as a login item so that uh, my clone is never mounted because I had that exact same issue. It's pretty good, isn't it? Indeed. All right. Okay, so uh, Time Machine would back it up for you. Obviously, you could use Carbon Copy Cloner or something else if you wanted to uh, manage the backup differently. But, um, you you know, using the USB-based, uh, USB is plenty fast enough. Oftentimes, though, some of those flash drives are not. So test the speed of the drive that you plan to have this iPhoto library live on. Uh, I prefer the Black Magic test. It's available for free in the Mac App Store. Uh, it, the way it does its things, it bypasses any, it tries to, and it, it's typically successful at bypassing any caching that's, uh, that's in the mechanism or in the interface. So you're getting true drive speeds and just make sure that, you know, you don't have some really dog slow, um, flash drive in there because th- that could really be a drag. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why that would work. John, do you have any, any concerns about that? Actually, no, wait, I think we uh, confused something here because now I'm seeing somebody uh, somebody pointing something out in the chat room here. No, I'm sorry. Hello? Uh, yes, hello. Okay. No, uh, 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 external drives are not included. So let's uh, take that back. I was thinking a spotlight. So external drives are not included. Wait, so wait. I have to figure out. I've, I've had spotlight back up my external drives. Does it all time the time. Machine. We were talking. Sorry, time machine. I'm, 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 I'm yeah, right. Time machine. I've had time machine back up my external drives. Okay. I, but are they are they is it are they simply excluded by default and you need to go into the time machine um, system preference pane, go to options and then remove them from the exclusion list? Because I definitely have time machine backing up external volumes. There's no question about that on my machine. The, the question is, how did I get it? How did I get it to happen? I thought it happened automatically, but maybe I had to go and remove them. They, it won't back up NAS drives, right? It, it's only the direct attached things that, that are right. That, Network that are drives. Yeah. Excluded. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so yeah, we're and and I, I want to say hi to everybody in the chat room and I'm going to come back to you folks in the chat room because I want to talk about that. But uh, but yes. Yeah, so in order to get Time Machine to back up your external drives, you've got to go into uh, System Preferences Time Machine Options and make sure that your external drives are not in the exclusion list uh, that's listed there, and th- and then that should do it. Because I know I have mine doing it. All right. Uh, any thoughts about the speed of of the or any other concerns with with having an iPhoto library on a uh, on a large flash drive, uh, you know, USB flash drive. Uh, the only thing is, is that that is, um, yeah. So that's something I can speak to, but those, uh, I mean, those drives are, even though they are flash memory, it's not the same type of memory as, uh, as an SSD. So you're talking slow. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, you know, and the, and the, the, the one that I have or a couple of the ones that I have, I mean, I benchmark them and they, they typically are on the order of, you know, tens of megabytes a second, which is, you know, relatively slow when you compare to an SSD. Right. So you can put up with the relatively slow, especially for writing. So, uh, you know, it'll work. 
Um, but it may not be as, uh, yeah, you may be waiting a little while. Right. Right. I guess we might only comment on that. Okay. So they're better. So, uh, yeah. So before you get one of those drives, you know, definitely, uh, you know, uh, poke around and get some benchmarks uh, on them for the read and write speeds, uh, depending on what you're doing with it. Sweet. All right. We will move on to David. We'll come back to the chat room later. I, I have it on my list, so hopefully I won't forget. But because uh, there's some fun stuff to talk about there, some new developments. I, I got geeky this week, but we'll talk about that in a minute. David. Hey guys, this is David over at Main Street Apple. Um, I had a question for you, twofold, if I may get a two for one in. One, I upgraded to iOS eight on my new uh, six plus, and. Um, and the app that I had is no longer available or compatible with iOS 8, so they pulled it, apparently, and it's no longer in the store. So I went into my iTunes backup uh, because I did that before upgrading my phone, and the app is there, and I can restore the app, and when I do so, the data or the database tied to it is, is blank. So it's like a brand-new app. So that, I backed it up, so that data's got to reside somewhere. And I went into the IPA file and show package content and try to dig around there and I can't find anything where that data is contained. So it must be saved somewhere else perhaps. Uh, so that was my first question. My second question is with this whole family sharing thing, if I've set up my family's uh, accounts with what you've recommended in the past, we all have our own iCloud and then we just use one account for purchases only. Why would I want to change what's been working for all these years? Uh, what, what benefits am I missing out on perhaps? Uh, so that was uh, my second question. This is where you cut me off. Appreciate it. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so when you delete an app from your iPhone, the data goes with it. And when you bring the app back, as you found, the data doesn't come back, right? Um, in fact, it, you're in a bit of a catch-22 because the only way to get, the only approved way to get the data back is to reinstall uh, to restore from your full backup. But if you can't get the app on there at the same time that you're restoring from the full backup, then you're out of luck um, in, in, in the Apple uh, prescribed way. You may, however, once you get the app on there, the app creates its data directories and its little sandbox and everything. Uh, normally you can't touch that, but uh, there is software that might let you pull some data from the apps sandbox from the backup and insert it into the app sandbox on your iPhone. And, uh, and I think John, you've played with this a little more than I have, but the, um, the refresh of, of disc aid is called I amazing. Uh, I M a Z I N G. And I believe it, it, can often do exactly this, right? John, have you, have you ever used it to do that? Uh, not the, the, the new one, but yeah, I mean, I'm amazing pretty much lets you see everything right on your device, right? On your iOS device. So, uh, sounds, sounds like a, a good thing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I've done this again. I haven't like you, John, I haven't done it with iMazing, but, um, but I, that, that's what this, that's one of the things. I mean, it's one of these apps that frankly you should just have because it's um, it does all kinds of things. But, uh, but that is one of the things that it does is it lets you kind of move the data around. So you may be able to restore the data uh, depending on how the app does things. 
sometimes apps get wonky and you've got to restore exactly in the right way. Otherwise the app sees that, wait a minute, you know, I've got the data, but I don't have the index for the data. And so I'm going to ignore it. Uh, that kind of thing can happen, but, um, but that, that's probably your best shot. Uh, certainly uh, that's where I'd start. So uh, that's, so that that's question number one. Um, question number two, with regards to family sharing, <sighs> It's because it's been a bit of a disappointment, I will say. Um, the The thing that you will miss out by doing things the old way, having a separate account that everyone shares for app purchases, the thing you will miss out on is, um, well, a some level of security because everybody has to know the password for that account in order to download or, or sometimes even update apps. Um, number two is you can't do any... Uh, everybody has full access. So if you've got kids on the account and you want to limit their ability to buy apps from a technical standpoint, as opposed to say a parental uh, rules based standpoint, uh, you can't do that with, with the the old method, but family sharing does let you do that and you can do approvals and, and all that sort of thing. Um, so that's really the, um, that's the, that's what you're missing out on. But what you have is very simple. And allows you to charge to if you if you have, you know, you can share store credit this way because it's only coming to one account with family sharing um, store credit is only good for the account that you apply it to. So even if I'm the master account, my kids, when they bill things, even if I've got a hundred bucks in store credit, my kids, when they bill things, it gets billed to my credit card. And so I pay cash for the stuff that my kids buy if they do it that way, even though. I have store credit, which is just stupid uh, if you ask me. But um, I mean, I get it. If the kids get their own store credit and apply it to their sub accounts, great. Let them, you know, burn that on their own. Maybe they get stuff for Christmas or whatever. You know, that that's great. But um, with me being the master account holder, I mean, they're billing my credit card. Why not just bill my store credit? Please bill my store credit. So that's one stupid thing. The other stupid thing is you can't, you have to use a credit card. You can't use PayPal. Uh, if you have family sharing, you can, I actually found a way of making it work, but, uh, it doesn't work. PayPal, if, if, if you have it, it won't let you do any of those sub account purchases. So it's, it, it's not perfect. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it actually. I I'm, I'm sort of living with a headache right now and we may go back to doing it the old way and you can, there's nothing stopping you from going back and doing it the old way. So, so that's what I got there. You got any thoughts on this, John, before we move to Lori? I don't share with my family, so. Right. There you go. That's right. You just have to get rid of some family members to just, you know, uncomplicate your life. (laughs) Well, that's, that's an interesting uh, perspective. Yes. I I mean, technically true. I suppose it depends on how you get rid of them though, because (laughs) things may get a lot more complicated Um, or perhaps they get really simple. If you want three squares a day and, uh, and you know, you're not going to be sleeping in a Casper mattress, I tell you that much. If uh, Yeah, I mean, you told me one path. of your ungrateful kids didn't want a hand-me-down iPhone. It's like, come on. Yeah, we solved that, that problem. Was, yeah. yeah, well, to me, it's a first-world problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is not actually a problem. Right. My dad's not giving me the latest iPhone. It's like, um, yeah. That's right. Correct. Let's, 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 let's uh, readjust here. Let's readjust. <laughs> let's readjust our perspective on life. On life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, All right. So Lori has a question and uh, 
let's see. She's it, really what's happening. is she says, um, she doesn't update her podcast on in iTunes often, but she does. And when she does, uh, she often sees an exclamation point uh, by each podcast saying iTunes has stopped updating this podcast because you have not listened to any episodes recently. Would you like to resume updating this podcast? And uh, she asks if there's a way to disable this. And the answer is no. And is there a way to get around this? Uh, or to set it to a different expiry time? And the answer is not really. However, there is an Apple script that you can run that will en masse kind of uh, skip this problem for or reset this for all of your um, all of your podcasts. And it's at dougsscripts.com. And the, the script is named Update Expired Podcast. And it's currently at version 2.2. So we will put a link to that in the show notes because... Uh, because that'll be helpful for for uh, for anyone that didn't already know about it, and I, I, that's all I got to say about that. You have any thoughts on that, John? Or? You're a piece of garbage. Yeah, well, ain't that the truth? <laughs> I was even looking. I was just glancing here in secrets, and there isn't even a a, a secret, you, you know, p list setting to uh, or a terminal command to disable that. No, yeah, there isn't. Maybe. I think they'll fix that in 12 maybe have they? oh gosh have you that. seen 12 yet i just heard people shaking their foot oh, I'll, it's a disaster. I'll, I'll, I'll have to install the uh you'll yeah hate. i have i haven't looked at uh, yosemite for a while so you'll hate your just, life uh, if you do well i have it uh, well uh, i'm not going to install it um uh, uh, right now i have uh, you know the the, the first build the right. first preview build uh you know put it on an external drive so i you know it won't destroy anything sure yeah, I guess the what are they now up to GM two? Well, it depends on yeah GM two or or release five or whatever it is, depending on if you're developed. But yeah, it's GM GM candidate number two. Yeah, which kind of made me nervous. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny because some people were like, "Oh, I think including you was like, oh, well, it's the gold master, so go ahead and install it." I'm like, Ey. yeah, I was I was mistaken when I said that in the last show. It it was a gold master candidate, which is different from a gold master. Close, close, but no cigar. Close, but yeah. no cigar. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I misspoke. That's, that's a weird designation, too. It's like, you know, it's like not alpha, not beta. Not, yeah, we're hoping this is gold master. <laughs> Post beta. Post beta. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, they've been having a rough time lately, so let, let's hope they get this right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather have them do this right and roll something out that's, uh, that's tested in more places, which is what the public beta does for us. So that's good. Hey, all right. So I wanted to talk about the uh, the chat room. So MacGeekGab.com slash stream. And we have a, a nice collection of listeners in there today. I am going to say happy birthday to Mac 11. Hey, uh, I believe this is her first time in the chat room and it's also her birthday. So happy hey. birthday. Hey, uh, but it used to be if you've never been in the chat room before uh, or listened to the stream before, uh, you won't identify with this problem. But uh, this problem no longer exists. It used to be that if you got into the stream when we weren't recording either during the week or even just before we, we started the stream up, uh, you would hear nothing because there was no stream happening. And then uh, when we started the stream, you'd have to reload things in order to attach to the stream. Well, I fixed that. Um, I, I got geeky this week, John. I wrote a bunch of scripts. Uh, I learned a lot more about how to manage an IceCast server and so what we have now is when we're live streaming, as we do when we record the show, uh, most, if not all the time, uh, you hear us live streaming the show. 
And when we're not live streaming, you hear currently a loop of the 10 most recent episodes. So, uh, and everybody hears the same thing, which means if you join the chat room, uh, everyone in the chat room will also be hearing the same thing. So the chat room and the stream are now live and accessible on the web at MacGeekGab.com slash stream inside the MacGeekGab app um, in just the live stream section there 24-7. Uh, there's always something wow. streaming there. Yep. And and you'll know because I was able to put a little intro uh, file at, at the beginning of the stream. So if it's if it's not live, you'll get an intro that says it's not live and then it'll it'll dump you into wherever that stream is happening. If it is live, you'll get a different intro that says, hey, the guys are live and here they are. So, uh, so that, that's how that works. And it, it actually was kind of a fun process to, uh, to go through. So the question I have for you, obviously, of course, is, are you having any trouble with it the way that it is? And, uh, we've been testing it and uh, Brian Monroe was actually quite helpful because he was around and, and helped, uh, help me test things, but, but, uh, let's test it en masse and, and go ahead and, and listen and attach and let us know if you have any trouble. And then also from a user experience standpoint, uh, the big question that I have, in addition to anything I haven't thought of, is does having the most recent 10 shows on a loop make sense? Uh, is there or or would you prefer something else? Right. You know, so throw ideas out. I'm not going to throw any of my ideas out because I don't I don't want to salt things. Uh, I just want to, to have your ideas. So uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. And, uh, but it's fun. I, I like having the stream going all the time. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. So that's that John at the end of last show. Well, <sighs> you weren't here because my internet connection died. Um, and of course at the time we didn't know what happened. So those of you that, uh, that listened to, to show five twenty two, you heard, uh, at the very tail end, John just went away and I, I uh, I decided to finish the show and uh, because I had no idea what the problem was and uh, figured we were we were better off just letting the steamroller run. It turned out to be one of my power line adapters that that lives between here and the router just stopped working. Um, and it's interesting. It's it's um, it's one I've had in service for for quite a while. Uh, it's an amped. Uh, and I like it too. Uh, it's the amped wireless PLA two uh, unit. And I like it because it's small and it has power pass through. Uh, we'll put a link to these in the show notes. I, I, I've, I, I'm going to send this one back to them. They want to see it um, because uh, they've not seen this kind of thing before happen, but yeah, it was interesting. The there there's a, there's three lights on it and all power line units are kind of the same in this regard. There's three lights. There's the, the power light, there's an ethernet connection light. And then in the middle, there's the, and now I'm connected to the power line system um, light. And that one was bright red on this. I did do a full reset of it and it went, uh, went back to green, but I noticed that the connection to the switch uh, via ethernet was only hundred megabit, not gigabit. So something went wrong. Uh, and that's sort of one of the potential liabilities with, with power line is, you know, you're not connecting it to, you can't plug it into a, uh, maybe you can, but I don't plug them into, to, to surge protectors. Uh, so, and I don't think you can, but correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I've made a bad assumption all these years. So they're not protected from, from surges and, and things like that. So 
uh, I have no idea what happened to this one, but, um, but that's what happened. So, uh, so, so there was no internet. And once I diagnosed that I had a, I had a spare, so I put it in and that's why I keep spares of things like this around power line and switches. Always good to have at least one extra because, uh, when they go down, they go down and that's that switches die all the time. I lose switches probably once a year. That's crazy. But, uh, but that's what happened. So that, that's what cut you off, John. Hello? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I just heard a hiss and, uh, yeah, that was it. All right. So power line, you and I were discussing this. You should get some redundancy going there. Dual, uh, dual network feeds or something. I'm not sure how that would work. I mean, it would be like plugging uh, it, it essentially power line becomes like a, a switch like it's just an ethernet connection, right? So mm-hmm. if I had two power line connections between two switches, it would be like having two ethernet cables plugged in between two switches. That's not advisable, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that, that creates weird loops and, and such. I've always, I've always been told, no, no, bad, bad. I don't know how that <laughs> relates to power line, but certainly with just ethernet, you don't want to create that kind of uh, that kind of disaster, or do you? I I mean, do you, do you do that with your Ethernet switches? Do you run or your you know with your Ethernet cables? Do you run two just in case one dies? I don't think that's a good idea. Um, I'm only doing that in one situation. Okay. Um, the Synology NAS actually has a feature. Where you can run, so, so but most, uh, I don't know if all of them do, but I think most of the Synologies have two gigabit Ethernet ports on them. A lot of them do, yeah. yeah. And I was poking around one time looking at the settings and it said, hey, you want to you wanna bond these together? I'm like, huh, that sounds like a good idea. And so I did it and it gives you two choices. So one is, is this, you know, standard for what I guess we'll call link aggregation. It's some 802... Mm-hmm. Or whatever it's it's some accurate thing there and it says well I'll, I'll try it using this standard but if if it doesn't work then I'll, I'll use kind of my own version of uh redundancy okay so, so the answer does is, it just get a second of, ip address at that point i think what happens is so it runs it on one cable and then if it detects that that one is is shot then it'll it'll switch over to the other okay Okay. So I don't think you, so I don't believe you get you know double bandwidth like you would with link aggregation but it does provide right. some redundancy so in case Yeah, the Synology like you said supports link aggregation but your switch has to as well and you need to turn it on or use the right ports for it. It's always a Yeah. 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 yeah so because my switch which is an airport doesn't support the link aggregation it, it backs off to this other thing but it's but it is, you know, a form of redundancy. So if if uh, one of my ethernet ports explodes um, you know, or, or fails, it'll switch over to the other one. Right. Right. Which, uh, which is kind of a neat feature when I, when I found it. And again, it, there's two flavors. One is the, the one where you get double the performance and the other is, is more, uh, you know, back, back off to this. If the other one is, is not working or somebody trips over the cable or something. Right. 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 Yeah. Very cool. Cool. All right. Yeah. yeah but I don't know if you're supposed to do that between switches. I think that I'm, um, sort of watching the stream in the chat room here and people are saying, uh, yeah, don't. So that's, uh, I'll take that advice. Uh, I want to talk about our second sponsor here, John, and that is 
uh, Gazelle, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Gazelle, uh, this is always a popular time of year for the folks at Gazelle because what they do is they will give you cash for your old iPhone, your old iPad, uh, all kinds of stuff they will buy back from you. And, uh, and so the way it works is you just visit gazelle.com and you tell them, okay, I want to sell off, uh, my, my cell phone or my iPad. They'll even take old iPods. Uh, they'll take, uh, laptops, right? Mac laptops anyway. Uh, maybe even iMacs depending on the model number, right? So if you get stuff that you are no longer using and you want to turn that into cash fast, these are the guys to uh, to check out. So gazelle.com, you tell them what you have. You go through the process. Um, you, you, I, you haven't even given your name yet, right? You're just saying, I have uh, an iPhone and it's, and, and then you tell them uh, what size it is. Is it, you know, 16 gig, 32 gig, 64 gig, or 128 if you're selling off one of the brand new ones. And, uh, and you tell them what carrier it's on. Uh, your best bet, of course, is to go through your carrier's process of getting your phone unlocked because you get some extra money for it, quite a bit of extra money for it if it's unlocked. And, uh, and then you get it unlocked or, uh, or not, and you, uh, you tell them what condition it's in, and then they give you a price right there. And uh, from what I've seen, prices on iPhones uh, have actually been going up in the last uh, week or so here, which is quite interesting. So, uh, so go check it out, you know, and, uh, maybe you can, you know, take that old iPhone five and get a couple hundred bucks or more for it real simple. And they'll, you know, at that point they ship you a box. If you don't have one, uh, they, no charge to you. They ship you the box. It has a return label in it, or you can just print a return label. If you've got a box you want to use again, no charge to you. You, you, uh, you pack the thing up in the box, ship it back. Got to make sure to disable, find my iPhone first. That's real important. Uh, because that's effectively an activation lock on the device. So you do that. You ship it back to them. They make sure that you've disabled find my iPhone. They make sure it's the right device and it's in the condition that, uh, that you've said. And then they send you your money. They either send it PayPal. They'll send you a check or they'll send you Amazon bucks. Uh, and if you go the Amazon route, they give you an extra 5% on top of it. And, you know, we're heading into uh, the holiday shopping season. So consider those Amazon bucks because I know if you're like me, uh, you're going to go spend a fortune at Amazon over the next couple of months anyway. Uh, no sense not just taking the extra money and doing it that way. So uh, so check it out. Yeah, gazelle.com is where the process starts. And uh, the process ends with you getting money. It's that simple. So check them out. Gazelle.com. And, and through the uh, checkout process, you'll be able to tell them that, uh, that Mac Geekab sent you. Well, we appreciate that. They appreciate it too. All right, John. What are we going to here? We, uh, oh, where are we? Let's go to Leslie. That's going to be a good one. I think so. Leslie writes, when I sync my iPhone 5S to my Mac, uh, and there is at least one photo taken, iPhoto launches, and I get a message that says 16 photos have been found in the iPhoto library that were not imported. Would you like to import them? If I answer no, I get the message. The photos will be placed in the folder. Uh, it gives a big, long folder, uh, recovered photos being as part of the name, uh, the number at the end increments. If I answer yes, the message pops up again. And when I answer yes, again, I photo loads regularly. I've repaired permissions on my Mac. I've rebooted. I've quit all background programs and rebooted the iPhone. Uh, and as it turns out, this problem happens. Even if I launch iPhoto without 
uh, my iPhone connected. What is it? Well, sometimes what iPhoto does when you're importing pictures, it saves them into essentially a temporary folder uh, as it copies them off the phone. And then it then it pulls them in from that folder. And sometimes things get stuck and sometimes things get double stuck and you're in the latter category. So the way to fix this is quit iPhoto, disconnect your iPhone uh, so that it's not auto relaunching on you. Right click on your photo library, which is usually inside home, your home directory and pictures uh, and choose show package contents within there. You'll find a folder named import or importing drag that folder to the desktop. Do not make any other changes. Then launch iPhoto and you should be in good shape. It should not give you that message anymore because that temporary holding pen has now moved to the desktop. You can go through that folder on the desktop and actually drag those photos into iPhoto in the normal way. And, uh, and it should import them just fine unless they're damaged or, or something like that. But that's, uh, that's how I would solve that problem. How about you, John? Uh, there's another way you could solve it. I believe all right. Just verify here. So iPhoto. So iPhoto. Uh, both iPhoto and Aperture have a. Uh, yeah, because to me that sounds like a form of damage, if you will. Um. So the thing is, if you launch iPhoto, Dave. Yeah. And you hold down Command and Option. Well, hey, you're going to get something called Photo Library First Aid. Okay. Does that fix this? Because uh, Apple didn't recommend. I, I mean, there's a knowledge I'm, base I'm article. Suggest- I'm suggesting okay. it, it may because okay. it, it actually does have, I mean, I see an option here. So it has repair permissions. Yeah. This is the, yeah. Rebuilt thumbnails. It's not that, but it has repair database. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, so what I'm suggesting is that for uh, some iPhoto hiccups yep. like this, I think in this case, repair database may have also noticed, Hey, that that's not quite right. This shouldn't be here. And there's rebuild database. Yeah. That's another thing. So it may, you know, rip through it and say, well, what's this doing here? This shouldn't be here. Right, right. Yeah, because you want, I mean, is that, you know, they warn you, they're like, you know, be careful when you're mucking around in this package because you could, you know, screw everything up. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, just want to toss that in because that's an option now, I believe, both with iPhoto and Aperture. If you hold down um, command option when launching, you will get a number of uh, uh, opportunities to repair a damaged database. Awesome. Well, hopefully, one of those two will solve it for, uh, for Leslie with this. Yes. All right. You want to take us to bilge, please, John? Oh my gosh. What a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> now this is a, an, an actually here's Bill's problem, dude. It was the most bizarre problem. So uh, here's, here was his issue. So um, as most of you know, you can, you can have uh, calendars. There's a calendar program on OS 10 and there's a, a, you could you can also link to the the calendar on a on your iOS devices and everything should sync up nicely should <clears throat> here's the problem though so one thing you can do is you can add uh, a holiday calendar um and this is where it gets kind of weird on iOS it seems that it adds one uh, if you if you're connected with iCloud it seems that you have one by default it kind of includes and there's no way to get rid of it. And that's something I want to ask you about, Dave. What do you want to ask me about here? Uh, what I want to ask you, pay attention, man. No. Yeah. Well, there was somebody. <laughs> yeah. Stop Skyping me, folks. I, I got to ask you, don't, it, it, it's great that you know how to find me. 
Um, but if you're on the stream during the show, stay in the, stay in the chat room. It's much better. I, I, I can't, I can only take so many input streams at once. So go ahead, John. Sorry. All right. So what I'm asking is if you go to any of your iOS devices uh, and you look under calendars, I'm curious if you see a holiday calendar under other, because in my case, I do. I go into but this wasn't, iOS but this wasn't calendar. quite as problem. Well, here was Bill's problem. Yeah, I see. Fun? I see U.S. holidays subscribed. Yes. Yes. And uh, all right. So I want to confirm that the thing is uh, only on iOS that's included and there is no way to get rid of it because try to delete it. You won't be able to delete it. it. It was really frustrating me. So that's kind of a side issue. But here, here was his issue. So he said, hey, um, on one of my devices, and I didn't quite believe him. He said, um, I'm seeing holidays on the wrong days. And I'm like, isn't that totally bizarre? Huh? And in fact, and I said, well, you know what? There's one thing you could check here. Cause I think I've, I've had events appear in, uh, on the wrong day or the wrong time. Um, there is a setting uh, in iOS that could cause this to happen. Uh, and it's in uh, settings, mail contacts, calendars. And under the calendar heading, there's something called time zone override. And I was like, is time zone is time zone override on? Because if it is, that may explain why some things are appearing on the wrong day. Now he got back to me and he said, no. So, so much for that theory. But, it, but it's, it's useful to know about that setting. Because if, if you have, uh, if you have, if, if things are in your calendar and they don't appear where or when you think they should, you may want to make sure that you, you don't have time zone override on. Yeah, that's an interesting setting. It, if, if it's, it's bizarre because if it's off things on your iPhone in the calendar show up local time, right? So if I set an event for 9am Eastern time and then I fly or drive or walk to California, once I get to California, that event will show up at 6am, right? Because I'm now Pacific time. However, if I turn time zone override on, then whatever time zone I set in that uh, preference there is what my calendar will show up as. So, yeah, I, I guess if you were to, to set your time zone to something that was, you know, 12 hours or more off of where you uh, where you actually were, it could shift holidays by a day, potentially. Right, right. Yeah, but that wasn't the case. Okay. So then he sent me a bunch of screenshots showing me that some holidays, in fact, occurred on the right days and uh, 2014 holidays and some were a day off. And I'm like, wow, that's that's really bizarre. So I'm like, all right, let's let's go to the tried and true solution of turning something off and on again <laughs> or a variation thereof. Now, when I looked at it, when he showed me on his iOS device, his list of calendars. Um, his was different. Well, actually mine was the same, but for a different reason. So he actually had under iCloud, uh, home calendar and work, which is, is pretty standard. And then under other, he had us holidays subscribed uh, on his Mac, right? No, on his iOS device. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. That makes sense. Or on his iPad. And I'm like, yeah, Hmm. You know what? Because then I looked at my setup and I'm like, you know what? Let, let's try this. So the thing is some, uh, I said, why don't you go to one of your Macs? Because sometimes you can't do certain calendar things on iOS. You have to do it on the, on the Mac side. Right. And I said, you know what? Um, 
why don't you subscribe? So first I asked them what the URL of the, of, of it was, and it was what I call an old style calendar link. It was like file colon slash slash, uh, you know, and something on the Apple server dot ICS. And that, that's kind of old style. The, the newer ones, the, the link is, uh, I think web dev. So, uh, or web cal. So I said, you know what, why don't you, uh, why don't you try to subscribe to a different calendar? And the thing is that the, the, the latest link I saw here, there's actually, a, and I'll put it in our chat room here, there's actually a, a calendar that you can download that's a holiday calendar that you okay. can subscribe to. So I said, why don't you try that? Um, he didn't, though. What he did do, <laughs> though I actually did that and brought my calendars over to a to more modern one. But uh, So what he did is he, he finally answered my question and said, oh, well, both on my MacBook Pro and my Mac, I see po5-calendars.cloud.com slash holiday slash US. Yep. And I can't, I, can't, I can't see beyond that using the get info in the calendar. Right, just um, because it's grayed out. Yeah, right. But he said... All right, so he took a, a slightly different approach there, but he said the location of it was on my Mac. Uh, so, he, so I think that was corrupted. So it's either old or corrupted. So well, it, it just needs to be changed to location iCloud, right? And that's what he did. Okay. Right? Because the thing is, you can, you can set the location of a calendar and say, you know, should I, should I store this locally or should I... You know, be grabbing this from iCloud or putting this in iCloud. It's it's not grabbing it; it's putting it in iCloud. That's right. right. Yeah. So basically, uh, yeah. So basically, what he did is he changed the location of the calendar from on my Mac to iCloud, and uh, apparently that fixed the problem. Yeah. Then it'll show up on your phone. That's right. Yeah. And and that's true of not a, not just the the um, the auto subscribed holidays calendar there in. Uh, in calendar, but anything like if you have a, you know, a TripIt account uh, and you subscribe to their calendar to the ICS feed, um, you can uh, you can store it on your Mac, in which case it will only be on your Mac or you can store it in iCloud. And then suddenly it populates to all your your iOS devices, which is really handy. It's a little weird. And you, and you I think I think you'll even see it on the Web. Uh, but I know that that's been sort of hit or miss over time or not hit or miss, but it has changed over time. But I think currently it, it still appears on the, uh, uh, on the web, which is handy. Oh, the, the web iCloud interface. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. not having that happen. You're that not. Okay. Mad. Maybe that it doesn't. Actually, that actually, no, that actually kind of bothers me. Yeah. Maybe, maybe now is one of those times when it doesn't appear on the web. It, it has, it has gone back and forth. I don't use the web calendar because it's because of that. Frankly, it's just, and I have, calendars on every device i own so i don't need yet another one uh, yeah so um now someone pointed out in our chat room here what is what is interesting um and, and this has bitten some people too while i was researching this question here uh the calendar on your ios device dave so of course you and i uh, our, our calendar is is u.s holidays because right our devices know we're in the u.s um that gets localized so if your device is in another country you will get you know, Australian holidays or, you know, cause every country. Well, is that, it, 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 is that true? Because, uh, when I've traveled to other countries, my calendar hasn't changed. I think it's when you set it up on your Mac, 
it push. I mean, it's not magic that it shows up on on your on your iOS device, as you just pointed out. Right. It shows up there because your Mac has subscribed to it and then said store this calendar on iCloud. So I think if you set your Mac up in Australia or somewhere else and then push that holiday calendar to iCloud, which it is by default, then you'll get those other holidays on your iPhone, but you won't just magically get holiday calendars on your iPhone as you travel about the world. Uh, I don't believe. Right. Okay. Right? Yeah. You may have to, you may have to somewhere set the, uh, the country or region. I yeah. I think, well, I think it, it happens as you set it up and you can, I mean, you can subscribe to any calendar you want and, and push them to iCloud. I think you just automatically, when you set it up on your Mac, you're subscribed uh, to your local country's holiday calendar. I think that's how that works. So, um, but we can, we can put this in the, uh, there's a couple of links we'll put in the, in the show notes about this. So, yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Hey, uh, if this week saw something interesting for, uh, iCloud users, and that was, if you had turned on two factor authentication in the past, it got expanded by force this week, right? So uh, by that, I mean, previously, if you had two-factor authentication means you're not just entering a password to prove that you're you, you're either um, in, in most cases, you're getting a code sent to your iPhone that you then have to type in when you log in on the web. Um, and, and that way it's, it's two things going on. So that if somebody gets your password, they can't necessarily log in as you, or it makes it a lot harder for them to log in as you. And up until very recently, two-factor authentication only protected your main account and financial data. It did not protect your mail. It did not protect your photos. It didn't protect your calendars, nothing, right? That is no longer the case. Two-factor authentication does protect all that stuff now. Um, If you use a third-party client to connect... Those don't yet support two-factor authentication because Apple hasn't pushed out uh, the way for developers to do that. Uh, Or if they have, developers haven't had it long enough to actually adopt it. So if you use something on your Mac like BusyCal or Fantastical on your Mac, those are logging into iCloud directly and will have failed, right? As of, uh, I believe as of about midday on Friday, but it may have been Thursday, uh, those now fail and you'll get you know, what's your password and you can type in your password all day long and it won't work because you're not logging in with the two factor. But as I just said, those apps don't support two factor for iCloud on the Mac yet because they can't. So how do you do this? Well, what you have to do is you have to create an application specific password and you do that by going to Apple ID uh, go into the security settings. And as you log in there, you'll have to do your two factor thing. You'll get a little code on your iPhone that you type it on the web. It lets you in. You go in and you say, I want to create a password, say for BusyCal. Uh, it puts the password on the screen. You copy the password, you paste it into BusyCal, and then you forget about it. You don't save it. You're not supposed to save it anywhere. Um, and you don't use it for anything else. And then that way, if you need to, you can go in and revoke uh, BusyCal's access without changing anything else. But what got interesting, so I did this on my Mac, and I'm like, great, better do it on my iPhone, too, while I'm thinking about it. Uh, otherwise, I'll forget about it. So I dug in on my iPhone, and I, I, uh, use, uh, I, I use Busy To Do on my iPhone, and I also use Fantastical. And so I dug into their settings, and I couldn't find where to put my iCloud password. 
I'm like, wait, but I got it. You know, what's going on? And then I realized and remembered those apps don't log into iCloud. They just use the iOS devices calendar store, which is fed by Apple. So, uh, so you don't have to worry about it on iOS as it turns out. You only have to worry about it on your Mac. So, but you do have to worry about it on your Mac if you have two factor turned on. If you don't, then, and you're just using the single password, then it doesn't matter. But you should turn two factor on. Do you have it on, John? No. But you're Mr. Security. You're always ahead of me on this stuff. Oh, sometimes. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> I have, I have other, um, yeah, I have other uh, means of dealing with that. What's your what's your means now? Now I'm curious. Can't tell you. <laughs> Just don't don't touch any of my devices. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You may, re- you may regret it. Okay. So while I'm at your place this week, I just, just hands off of your devices. Is that right? Well, if you want to find out what, what I got in place here. Okay. It's kind of genetically in that. that no, I can't say anymore. That's as far as we're going to go with it. That's right. That's right. I've been thinking of that as a mad scientist, you know, have a DNA based, uh, you know, retaliation scheme or something. Yeah. Nice. There was, there was a, um, we saw some show about that. Oh, we watched that new show Scorpion where they, they had like, you know, genetically targeted diseases towards specific people, which was just an interesting concept, which I kind of liked. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not supporting it. I liked it as a premise for a yeah. TV. But episode, I'm glad right? I didn't have it enabled because then, then I'd be banging my head against the ball saying, well, now what? Yeah. Well, now that once you listen to the show, now, then you'd be now, in good now, now look at, yeah, now check it out. Yeah. Right. All right. Um, I want to, uh, we had a couple of uh, things come in that I sort of logged down as tips here, John. And, uh, and so the first one was uh, actually a Google, uh, Michael over on Google plus asked, uh, that's, um, uh, MacGeekGab.com slash Google plus. That's the easiest way to get to our community. And, uh, and it's growing. It's like crazy growing. It's like seeing a 20% growth in the last two weeks, which is awesome. But, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, Michael asked uh, if anyone was sharing their clipboard between their Mac and iOS device. And, uh, and I found this really fascinating because I, I tried something in the past. I think it was, uh, was it pop clip? I can't remember the name of what it was, but it, I, I felt like at the time it was chewing up my battery and I wasn't, oh, in, you know, I wasn't entirely uh, thrilled with the, with the whole concept. So uh, I sort of did away with it, but, I've always wanted to do this. And, uh, and so uh, it, it seems like the battery thing has been solved now for the most part. I'm pulling up the one that I've used. It's going to be there. Pastebot was the one I used. Sorry, pop clips and app for the Mac. So I had used Pastebot, but, um, and, and evidently now that that works quite well. Um, a couple of the ones that were mentioned in order of, of uh, preference from our listeners. Uh, there were two, one called Command C, which is a for pay. It's not. It's not very much. It's you know a couple of bucks um, thing. It's been updated for iPhone six and six plus, which is a good. Uh, even if you don't have a six or a six plus, that's a good barometer of how much attention the app developer is paying to the ecosystem here, and you know whether you want to kind of get get them involved in in your daily life and rely on them. So, um, Command C is out there. And uh, people say it's fantastic. And the whole idea is when you copy something on your, on your Mac or your iOS device, it is 
you know, the, the clipboard is shared between the two. I'm surprised Apple's not doing this with continuity, um, but they're not uh, even in Yosemite to my knowledge. So, uh, so it's still something we can, we need to worry about here. And, uh, and I believe uh, most of these command C certainly being one of them allows, uh, it keeps a clipboard history too, which can be really handy. So, uh, so command C is one. We'll put a link to that in the show notes and desk connect is the other that came up uh, kind of surprisingly because um, that one hasn't been updated since December. So, uh, so uh, you know, I, I don't know what that means. It is free though. So if you are, you know, interested in uh, uh, trying it out, we'll, we'll put a link to that one too. So, and there's a couple others. We'll, we'll put the, uh, we'll put the, the Google plus thread out there uh, in the, in the chat room as well. So, or in the, sorry, in the, uh, in the stream, what am I saying? What, what words am I using? John, the, the show notes, that's it. That's right. Uh, do you use one of these, John? No. Okay. Like I told you, I, I don't share. Well, but this is sharing with I yourself. Don't do, I don't do family sharing and I, I don't, um, but these these both uh, require an app to be installed on your Mac as well, uh, of of course, um, mm. because that's you know that's I how use it works. notes, notes. That that's my uh, clipboard uh, that goes goes between. Uh, yeah, no, seriously. When, yeah, when I need little pieces of data, um, notes, uh, you know, synced with iCloud. Um, it's usually what I use. It's simple, huh? And it seems Desk Connect does more. It does web pages in addition to the clipboard. It does web pages and maps. And it actually was doing some not quite uh, sharing of calls, but you could, you know, send one to the other. And it's got Apple Script support. So maybe there's more to this Desk Connect thing. Maybe uh, we need to check that out. All right. So that's that's that. Uh, you want to take us to, I think it's a different Michael, John, but uh, you want to share this other tip that we've got from another Michael. Yes. Because dude, it's awesome. Well, I think it's awesome because it, it, it there's a store of, of hidden little goodies that, that we're going to share with you. Don't tell anyone else. <laughs> um, but Michael pointed out, so, so I was scratching my head over uh, the, the built-in packet capture. Uh, right. We talked about this in the last show. Yeah. Right. And he said, yeah, well, it's probably a uh, TCP dump and uh, is, is the program. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. And, and the format it saves it in is something called PCAP. But then I did some more digging, Dave. And this is something I think we may have mentioned, but it's worth mentioning again. So number one, there's a place on your Mac where there is just a treasure trove of useful little goodies. Um, where is this? And I'm going to tell you where you want to look. You want to go to system library core services now be careful you shouldn't there's some stuff in here you you shouldn't touch but this yeah, you can mo touch most most of the things in there yeah well or most of these things here are uh, you know like for example screen sharing is in here so when you do screen that's sharing that's where the app lives so you can run it from here if you want to actually you can. some things here if you try to run them yeah uh, yeah i mean there's some daemons and other stuff in here so you, you know take a look here but i'm going to tell you one that it is safe to run dave and that is um oh my gosh where is it uh-oh i didn't lose you again did i <laughs> just <kidding>. no no <laughs> Ah, here it is. Is it in here? It is. No, it's, I don't 
it, it no it, i don't here it is well i yeah i found it uh it's called wireless diagnostics yep now you can also find it with spotlight now for really? some reason i'm not seeing it in this directory here okay at least on mavericks if you type if you start typing in wireless um it'll match something called wireless diagnostics okay you know for a reason i'm not seeing it in core services all right i'm gonna have to double check that but you should be able to launch it and what'll happen though is you launch this wireless diagnostics program but don't step through the steps here here's what you want to do to find the good stuff so when it comes up it'll say hi i'm you know the program that'll uh, which i think will also come up if uh, your mac detects there are problems with your wireless connection but you don't want to click continue. What you want to do is you want to go to the window menu and then you want to say utilities or hold down command two. And then you get this sub menu of all these fascinating little statistics, uh, but also tools. So, for example, it'll give you uh, info. A lot of this you, you will also see if you hold down the option key when you when you look at the airport menu. But it gives you uh, quite a uh, quite a bit more information, I think, about what's happening uh, with your wireless adapter. Um you know, there's logging, Wi-Fi scan, performance. But then the one I want to mention, because it's uh, applicable here, is frame capture. What does that do? Well, frame is another name for a network packet. So basically, Dave, this is a wireless uh, traffic sniffer built into the OS. And so when you when you choose frame capture, you will then get a channel that uh, you can capture on and, and also the width as an option. Um depending on the machine you have. And then once you start, it's going to basically log all traffic. And, and when it's done, it's going to save it to your desktop as a uh, WCAP file, which is kind of weird. I don't know why it does that. Um, because what you probably want to do, and this is what I did, is if you rename it from WCAP to PCAP, um, then programs that are meant to understand PCAP, which is packet capture, We'll be able to import it and let you look at what's going on. Uh, so, for example, I was able to use Wireshark right. to open this PCAP file, and then I could see the network traffic that was collected by this. That's pretty cool. Huh. So the thing is, it's buried. The utility is buried, but you can run it, and then you have to kind of take this uh, you know, side route to bring up this utilities menu. And there's some other good stuff in there too. There's also something that uh, allegedly will tell you your optimal, uh, uh, you know, it'll tell you uh, stuff about the bases that are surrounding you. Um, performance, I guess it will tell you, uh, you know, what it thinks, uh, uh, or yeah, it'll, it'll show you graphs of um, signal strength and, and uh, signal to noise ratio, quality of your signal. Uh, Wi-Fi scan will actually show you, um, uh, other Wi-Fi base stations that are surrounding you may also suggest what it thinks is the best channel for you to be on. So all sorts of wonderful. It's, it's really nice utility. I, ah. you know, I was very happy when I when I found it to find that it had all these uh, secret little diagnostic things in there. Yeah, that's it. We've talked about it before, but I never dug that deep into it. That's pretty cool. Like you know, I, it, it was the folks that, um, and I'll use this as a segue to a plug ish. Uh, it was the folks at PMUG last year at, in Princeton. New Jersey, where I am, uh, who told me about uh, wireless diagnostics uh, for the first time, I think it was a couple of years ago, but, um, but uh, I am speaking there on Tuesday night. So if you are in the, and all are welcome, if you are in the Princeton area, um, anywhere near Princeton, New Jersey, I believe, I believe things kick off around seven. Uh, so we'll be talking all about iOS eight and, uh, and doing a bunch of demos. And I hope all the demo stuff works because otherwise it'll, uh, 
Well, otherwise you get to see me fly by the seat of my pants, which will be even more fun. So, um, all right. Uh, so are we, we're good with this, John. I can move on to, to Mike we're, and his question. Good. All right, sweet. Mike says my son has a project for his second grade class on bats. Uh, I'm assuming his whole class is on bats. It's just his uh, second grade class. Anyway, uh, he says he gets to pick a bat of his choice to research and then give a presentation about. He's going between vampire bat and fishing bat. We started collecting some images off the web today, and I thought of a couple of questions. When I see an image on the web, I can either save it with a uh, save image as or save image to downloads. This is from the control click or right click menu. Uh, regarding quality, does it matter which I use? And if I choose the latter, save image to downloads, is there a chance that I could download something nasty embedded in the photo? So, John, I dug into this uh, and I actually searched for pictures of vampire bats and uh, saved the files in two different ways. And as far as quality, I got exactly the same file. It was the same size image both times. Uh, it seems that the uh, the save image as just adds the ability for you to choose where you want it to go, uh, whereas save the image to downloads automatically saves it to downloads, saving you a couple of steps as long as downloads is where you wanted it. So I believe that's the only difference between the two. It's, it's saving the same thing. And, uh, and one is just putting them in a fixed spot. Whereas the other is giving you the choice each time uh, as to where you want to let it go. And, and that's what I, that's what I found in my testing. But I know when we prepped the show, John, you were telling me that you had something. You found well, something. Well, something to save images. Sure. Right. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's what he's doing. Yeah. 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 Well, I found a lot of places in uh, Safari. If you just uh, grab the image and drag it to your desktop, that'll typically download it as well. That'll work. Well, that depends on the type of type of image, but yeah, that's what I do a lot of times. And you know, I, I drag it to the side and, uh, uh yep. It's a good that idea. Works. Now there was a question here about, you know, uh, viruses and images, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, that shouldn't be a problem, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you want to. If you're concerned about that, yeah, I guess you know the the tip. Uh, you know, don't don't have open safe files after downloading on. Yeah, that's actually a good piece of advice. So in Safari preferences general, there's a checkbox way down at the bottom that says "Open," as John said, "Open safe files after downloading." And, uh, and that will, if you save things to downloads, it will open them up. Uh, pictures are part of one thing. Um, but, uh, zip files are another, this can actually be a handy thing to turn off. If you need to download like a, a dot GZ file that you then are going to need to upload or, or hand to somebody else. If you download it with this checkbox on, it will decompress that. And then you won't have that dot GZ or that dot zip file anymore. So if you want it to remain in its downloaded form, unaltered, uncheck this box. That can be really helpful if you're downloading like WordPress themes and stuff like that. That's uh, that's the way to deal with that. So, Yeah, because uh, images probably, uh, well, unless your viewer is, is messed up. Um, <laughs> right. You know, it's funny because I actually had this happen once. I think someone had a... Had, uh, I don't know. For whatever reason, Dave, I, I was searching for an image of Huckleberry Hound. Okay. Which, uh, we all fondly remember from our you know cartoon days. 
And I understand cartoons just aren't the same anymore, right? <laughs> uh, I, I believe we had the first Saturday morning without cartoons on broadcast TV in the U.S. was last weekend. Right. Uh, okay, so I did see that. Yeah. Yeah, so whatever happened to that? I, I'm know. still a, mostly a Warner Brothers fan myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're not just the same anymore. No, they're not, they're not there with, anymore. I, I don't I don't know what they could get away with, uh, you know, some of the stuff they did the, the, those days. I mean, some of them, I mean, especially, you know, Elmer Fudd. I mean, that guy had issues. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, he, he had a problem. And wait, just, you, wait a minute. You're, yeah, but not, I mean, this is nothing compared to Family Guy or The Simpsons or anything like that. Well, those so. are adult cartoons, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. What I'm but. saying. So, so it was funny because I actually came across a page that I think was infected because, yeah, I, I was searching for an image of Huckleberry Hound. Yep. And I found it, Yep. Uh, you know, with the Google image search. And so I took the image and I, I believe I, I clicked on it and then said download. Well, what I was actually downloading was an installer. Nice. So someone had somehow linked the image to a, a dot, uh, you know, DMG file or something. Because all of a sudden, you know, because I had open safe files on, it, it ran an installer and said, hey, you want to install some new software? And I'm like, Whoa, no, whoa, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is a caution to anybody is. Yeah. So, so somehow, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how, how whoever did this, did it, but um, yeah, that's the danger is that you may be downloading something uh, or if you say save as or, you know, uh, or download this file uh, and you have the setting on, you may uh, unknowingly uh, invoke a, a rogue installer. Yeah. Uh, malware. Interesting. Interesting. All right, John. Well, I believe the time is upon us, my friend. Wow. All right. Well, this is the time where um, where you get last cut time, off. That's right. Last time, everything fell apart. That's so right. This time, I think I'm going to have to talk real fast. Well, no, I don't want to talk real fast because I, I want people to soak it in, Dave, to, to, to learn everything they can about how to get in touch with us. And Dave, I think the best way one way, but probably the best, is you could send an email to feedback at MacGeekGab.com. That's feedback at MacGeekGab.com, just in case John got cut off there. Yeah, three times a charm. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. But that's not it. No, if you're a premium subscriber, you can email us at premium at macgeekab.com which uh, gets a, a little extra attention. Uh, we do try to answer everything that comes in, but uh, those of you that support us directly get a little uh, you get a little faster service, we like to say. So uh, so check that out. Uh, macgeekab.com yeah. is where you can find out about our premium offering. You can also call us 206-666-GEEK which, John, is 433 Five and about the point where I lost it last time, so I'm going to mention it quickly. But um, there's another community. Dave mentioned, of course, our G Plus, but there's also Facebook.com/slash MacGeekab, where uh, you know you see our event scheduled and uh, there's some discussion there. Yeah, but, um, yeah. But, but honestly, we're I noticed somebody posted to the Facebook group this week. Um, it, 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 we're, we're pretty much letting that one languish. You're, you're welcome to post there. But you're going to get way more attention from the community at Google+. It's just where everybody is. Uh, so that's where we go. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw one person post there, but nobody's paying attention to it because everybody is at Google+. So check it out. Yeah, MacGeekup.com slash Google+. Is the, uh, is the place to go. But you're, for you're scheduling... Gonna... 
scheduling. Absolutely. Yeah, if you're on Facebook, uh, like us over there, because that way you will get the invites and all that good stuff. Absolutely. And you'll see when the shows come out and all that good stuff. That's MacGeekGab.com slash Facebook. Or Facebook.com slash MacGeekGab. Either one will get you there. Because that's how we rock it. I know. All right. We'd like to thank a couple of people. A lot of people, actually. I want to thank Michael Johnston. He converts this show to AAC. He's also the host of the iOS show, so check that out. It's a great podcast. Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com provides all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. That's right. From us to you. Uh, And I want to thank our sponsors. Of course, Casper at Casper.com slash MGG. And make sure to use that MGG coupon for 50%, uh, not 50, $50 off. I'll get it right. Uh, gazelle.com as I mentioned earlier that's where you're going to get your uh, you're going to get money for your old iOS and uh, and Apple uh, OS 10 devices barebones.com Yojimbo and BB Edit smilesoftware.com is where you're going to find text expander including text expander touch 3 and others squarespace.com slash MGG gets you 10% off there as well lynda.com slash mgg gets you seven days for free and also i gotta say drobo.com uh and you can if you can also get uh, uh 50 bucks off there of the new third gen drobo with mgg50 john i think you're still with me and if you are would you please share some advice well i don't know if i should i'm, I'm kind of afraid because um <laughs> I don't want to get caught. Made up.